Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. Got a bit of a recurring theme here that we have to qualify that intro by saying that we don't actually have a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave today. In fact, we just have myself and Elio, who is our record appearance holder, I might add. He's been here pretty much every single week since we started and he will have plenty to say about all things Spurs as always. Elio, welcome back to another episode of the show. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not bad. I obviously heard last week's non-Elio episode was suitably impressed <laughs> with the efforts without me. I mean... Yeah, I'm impressed you uh, listened, personally. I, I didn't think you'd <laughs> want to listen to an episode without your voice in it, but... I did toy with the idea of not. There's very few podcasts I listen to that don't involve me, and you should only <laughs> listen to them once, um, but... <laughs> But no, I genuinely okay. enjoyed it. I no, I more than okay. I enjoyed it. I actually don't like listening to me. I do listen to me because I want to see if I come across sort of as knowledgeable as I think I am. But other yeah. than that, I actually don't. I don't like my voice. I don't like yeah. the my diction. I I, I genuinely <laughs> worry. About, I get very self conscious well, listening to myself. Fair thought for me because whatever you have to listen to, I have to listen to it several times over when I'm editing it. Okay, so you can't really compete with me on that side. But anyway, let's get into it. Let's talk about the football. So obviously, as everyone is well aware, due to the news from the weekend, the fixtures have all been postponed as a mark of respect for the passing of the Queen. And as things stand. The Man City game is going to be taking place in the second half of the season, I would imagine. Until quite recently, we weren't really sure if there was going to be some disruption to the following fixtures as well. But Elio, you've just confirmed to me that the Leicester game is going ahead next weekend. Is that right? Yeah, um, Yeah. it got confirmed, I think, a couple of hours back. Yeah. Thank God for that, because this is a difficult weekend without any football to watch. It, it makes you wonder when this happens, how we get through the summer, doesn't it? Because you just kind of, you sit there twiddling your thumbs like, what did I do on every Saturday when there wasn't football? Especially um, a summer when you expect there to be a World Cup, but for exactly. reasons only known to some yeah. people who have Paid become off. suddenly very rich. <laughs> <laughs> David Beckham really? swimming in his pool of cash. Uh. And the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I will not hold back when we get to World Cup time. I, I'm pretty sure that... Um, <laughs> I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. We when we, when to... we turn the, into the, the World Cup England plus day podcast, I think it's going to be a good time. <laughs> um, I mean, okay, let's not get into too much detail. Obviously, we have to do something. Do you think it was the right call to postpone games this weekend? Could there have really been another way of doing it? What do you think about the whole thing? It's a double-edged one. I mean, a lot of people are saying, look how well cricket did it and all that. And... Um, mm. A lot of people are saying that actually respect could have been shown at... Yeah, everywhere but Anfield, basically. (laughs) Well, (laughs) let's not assume which clubs they were worrying (laughs) about, but... We don't need to. But I think it's a shame it didn't go ahead. But Mm. to tell you the truth, it's most of the people alive on the planet have only ever known that there's one Queen of England. Yeah. Most of the people in this country have ever known that there's been one monarch of England. Like... It's a big deal. It is a big deal. Well, whatever so, your stance is, yeah. For the sake of one weekend of mm. our favourite pastime, but one weekend of it when we have a lifetime of weekends ahead of indulgence in that anyway, mm. yeah, let's pay our yeah. respects and we cannot have football in honour of that. Like, I'm not saying I think it's the best way, but all the whining about it is a little bit tiring. I mean, yeah. come on, guys, have... No. 
have you got nothing literally nothing else in your <laughs> lives that can occupy you for that two hours that you're watching your team i mean exactly we'll get over it i'm sure but look, the good news is that football is returning pretty soon and of course it's returning sooner for us than some others because we do have the champions league and at the time of recording it is monday evening and we are going to look ahead to our champions league game on tuesday tomorrow night against sporting uh, and of course we have had our first champions league game which was a nice 2-0 victory uh mm. you weren't at the game were you if i'm right leo you didn't you didn't fancy the midweek trek there and back cost of living crisis baby yeah, um, exactly. But not but just that. I think as much as I'd love to go to every midweek match, it is expensive. It is a very long journey for me. I wouldn't get home until the early hours of the morning from it. And yeah. I feel like I've more than paid my dues over the years. So I'm having to be a bit more <laughs> yeah. selective in that respect. And yeah. it's not because... I don't sort of want to be at every home match. Of course I do, but Mm. I also don't enjoy driving in the dark and the wet at midnight. Yeah. Um, particularly much for a hundred odd miles. So I don't think I, anyone I, can ever accuse you of being an armchair fan, Elio. I don't think you have to worry about that. I think you've, uh, like you say, you've definitely earned up enough goodwill as a Spurs fan for sure, especially with all the long drives. Um, just a quick question, actually. I mean, in terms of just pure footballing terms in our season, is there a part of you that's relieved that we don't have to play Man City, or did you really want to get this done? Did you think this was a good time to play them, if there's ever a good time to play them? Um, I mean, we are their bogey team, aren't we? But. <laughs> As we keep reminding ourselves. I'd say that the odds were against us going away to Manchester City while Erling Haaland's in this exceptional vein of form. But there's an argument to say he will always be in this exceptional vein of form. (laughs) This is him when he's just warming up. He's just getting used to the team and gelling. Yeah, he'll be scoring four a game by then. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So I'd always go into that game thinking, we've got a good tactical manager. They've got a good tactical manager. Let's see who wins out on the day. And hopefully but, Son is in better form by the time we play them because he's not in great form, it's fair to say. But we're not a one-man team and neither are they. So uh, we'll, we'll obviously cross that bridge when we come to it. So sometime way down the road, we'll have that Man City away game. But uh, a bit closer to here and now, obviously we got our opening win in the Champions League. Good to be back. Good to hear that lovely Champions League anthem that I know you hate, Elio. Um, <laughs> 2-0 victory. It's probably a bit simplistic to say that it all came down to the red card, isn't it? Because yeah, we won comfortably in the end. But I think despite the fact that they had a lot of possession and they probably had a lot of the ball in advanced areas and we weren't exactly great it kind of followed the same pattern as a lot of our recent games didn't it it's almost like this is becoming more and more like a clear plan rather than something that we just keep finding a way out of um I'm still loath to say that this is the plan just because yeah. both manager and key players have said, actually, we need to be starting better than we are. So I'm inclined to mm. believe that. I think maybe there is an element of managing our energy levels through our match to try and have our maximum output at the point that the other team is tiring. That is definitely a thing, but I don't think yeah. we're intending to be as pressed back as we are at the moment. Mm. I really don't. I think... Conte is not a manager that plays unattractive football. I think we play good football, but Mm. he is a manager that is somewhat risk averse. And what bigger risk is there than letting the other team have that much of the ball, that near your goal, that much of the time? So, yeah, I mean, they think it's out for me. And I was listening to another Spurs podcast, listening to the View from the Lane podcast with Danny Kelly. And he was saying that it's almost as if Spurs under Antonio Conte are the first team in living history who have basically deliberately vacated the midfield as a strategy and just left it wide 
wide open just to attack down the flanks. And it's sort of paying off, which is just a little bit mad. I mean, it, it basically made Guendouzi look like Pirlo because he had all the space in the world to ping it about. But they didn't really do much with it, did they? And, and again, that's something that we've seen from a lot of the last games. And I think I made a stat on Twitter the other day just to say that we've conceded or we've allowed 11 shots on target across our last five games and only conceded one goal. I haven't gone as far back as to see when the last time we had that kind of a defensive record, but I can't imagine there have been many times in the Premier League where we've only conceded one goal in six games in a row. It's definitely something going right, isn't there? At the back, surely. This can't all be uh, luck. I mean, this certainly isn't all luck. I think we have a tall team and a strong team, mm-hmm. and off the ball, we are actually pretty organised. Our pressing game leaves a bit to be desired at the moment, but we are yeah. pretty organised off the ball. And I think a lot of our play is pushing opposition teams into areas. And it depends on the team as well. It's not always been pushing teams wide or pushing teams down the middle or whatever. It's pushing teams into areas where they tend to be a bit less effective and yeah. making them create their chances through that route. And yeah, a bit like then- what West Ham did to us. Yeah, and pushing it to our right hand side. Precisely. And then we deal with their attacks that way with the fact that our centre backs are generally pretty on song at the moment. Our goalkeeper mm. is just going through this beautiful Indian summer in his career. And yeah. our defensive midfielders actually reads the game pretty well. So yeah. I think that from the defensive points of view, it's actually pretty pleasing. I think our issues right now, and the reason why we're probably under more pressure than we should be at the moment, is that we are not as fluid as we should be on the ball. Uh, Mm. I think that's been a theme. I think an okay press, not even a particularly great press, but an okay press is enough to kind of disrupt us us. when we're trying to get the ball forward at the moment. And Mm. the reason why we've still been actually scoring a fair few goals, I think has been more down to the fact that over the course of a match, at some point, a team's going to get that press slightly wrong against us and we will actually overload the way we want to uh, all the time. So... Mm. Yeah. All of a sudden, Summer will leave Kane that extra second more than they need to, and he'll have put through Perisic or Kulusevsky or whatever, or Sessegnon, yeah. who'll be able to cross into the box. Like I think the goals we have scored have been because we have very, very good players who are taking mm. high percentage of their chances, yeah. Son being the exception to that, and seemingly reversing the trend of the past five seasons at the moment. Of course, yeah. And the plan is probably to be less reliant on us being quite that lethal when we get the chances and to just try and create a lot more than we are. But yeah. because we're a bit stuttery, Bentoncourt and Hoybier are doing a lot of good things, but they're also being a bit hit and miss. Because of that, I think it's damaging quite the volume of control we have in games. Yeah, difficult to know exactly how you can fix that either, I suppose. It's just probably one of those things that's just going to come down to getting used to playing together as a team, I guess. Were you worried before the red? Did you see that game going badly before they were reduced to 10 men? Because they were probably on top if anyone was, even though the chances weren't mm-hmm. great. It's hard to predict given the way all our games seem to be going at the moment. I mean, <laughs> well, this is my point, you know. It was just following that pattern. You, you, you don't get nervous just because we haven't had a lot of the ball and we haven't had a lot of chances because no, you don't. that's been the theme. I think I was probably expecting it to peter out into a nil-nil until the reds. Yeah. Yeah, and it may well have done, to be fair. Well, look, let's talk about the goals then. Well, let's talk about the red, actually, because let's, let's go in order. That was the first real thing of notes. There were a few chances up until that point. But first of all, fair red. Don't I have a clear goal yeah. opportunity? Yeah, it was pretty much Absolutely. Through. I mean, there yeah. was no way that the defender on the far side was getting across to catch on in that <laughs> situation. I mean, 
little do they realise that on Son's current form, that was <laughs> going that. straight at the goalkeeper. But I always wonder, it's just generally this thing about denying a clear goal scoring opportunity. I'm always wondering what the standard is, if it is just like an objective general chance. You know, if it's Lionel Messi one-on-one with a goalkeeper or if it's Davinson Sanchez, is it the same? <laughs> do you have the same standard for calling it a clear goal scoring opportunity? I've always wondered that. But yeah, either way, I'm kind of glad it happened because I could have seen Son holding the ball up on the right, someone coming in at the back post and being a much better option and he would have shot at the near post and missed. But but anyway, I think he desperately needs a goal. But it was funny because when he went down, he tried to get up again, didn't he? Did you notice that? He wasn't just milking the foul to call it a free kick. He really Absolutely wanted to not. get on the end of it. So let's talk about the goals. We'll talk about the game in a bit more detail generally. But the goals, first of all, two goals for Charleston. He's off the mark after the full start the other day. So happy for him. How did he find his performance now? Uh, I thought he was our best player. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd agree. I, I think he... I mean, sometimes it's easy to say someone's the best player just because they're bringing something slightly different to what you're used to yeah. seeing from the team. But I think the all-round kind of aggression with which he plays, and I don't mean yeah. in a dirty way, but I think more in kind mm. of a relentless way, is it's just so good to see. It's, um, yeah. If he scores as many as I actually am beginning to think he's going to be able to score... He's a really complete player, and I wasn't expecting that when we signed him. Like he, he's got mm. kind of all the energy and devilment of sort of a Craig Bellamy, but he's kind of got the power and the strength and the physicality of your Meadows or or even Harry Kane. And then on top of that, he's got this pace that I, I knew he was quick. I didn't realize he was this fast. Yeah. I mean, he looks as fast as Son at the moment. So I don't know if he is, but that's how he looks at the moment. And yeah, and the the actual skill with which he's playing as well. That, that's been the biggest surprise for me and every appearance he's been showing all of those in abundance um, yeah he's not had a bad game yeah I'm really really falling in love with the guy and oh absolutely same I was just thinking the amount earlier, it he's... means to him as well the amount it means to him oh like... when you saw him with his family with his mum and dad after the game and and it's funny because he's the player that we've so often associated with being this nasty character on the pitch and yeah we know that there's that old cliche you cross the white line you become a different person but it's so nice to see him of all people showing that kind of emotion and what it means to him. He's obviously grown up dreaming of playing in the Champions League and he's finally got his goal on the biggest stage. And no, it was it was a really nice moment for him. We're but bit by bit getting better with our Brazilians. We started we off are. with um, the first Brazilian I, I think we ever signed was Gilberto oh, was Silva. Gilberto Silva, wasn't it? Jesus with his uh, disaster of a debut. They did score <laughs> a really good goal against West Ham in one of his games. It's not enough. That was the worst debut I've seen from any player ever. That was Woodgate at Real Madrid levels of bad. <laughs> Uh, then or Rocky Jr. Gomez, at Leeds. yeah, Gomez, obviously, sort of a very hit and miss keeper for us, but pretty big reason why we got to yep. the Champions League for the first time. Those saves against Arsenal that day were wonderful, so uh, mm-hmm. a little bit better there. Then Sandro, yeah, sad, bit of sad a hero. story in the end, but what he did do for us in the short time that he was fit, he looked like such a wonderful player. Yeah. Lucas need us say more with what he's done for us and yeah. now this guy feels like we've finally got a brazilian brazilian i noticed you left that emerson there was that deliberate or did you just skip your mind he's, he's not eventful <laughs> <Just>, enough <laughs> i'll tell I you what i did like now. 
I'll tell you what I did like. Emerson's assist for the red card. He ran over because the referee got his cards out of the pocket. He dropped his red on the floor and Emerson just went and picked it up for him and just kind of handed it to him. I love that. That was great. Uh, um, you know what? Did. Emerson is a really likable character. I know he's not a particularly yeah. good player, but he's doing what he's asked to to the best of his ability. And Yeah, you want him to succeed, don't you? We really want him to just sort of turn a corner and become our Cafu. But back to Richarlison, I was just he's basically our wild card, isn't he? I mean, the thing that I like the most about watching him play is that kind of flair, that unpredictability, the fact that he just has that, he has the essence of a kid on a playground, doesn't he? A bit like when Delhi was at his best and he was this young player coming through. The fact that just at any moment he'll do a trick, he'll get the crowd off their feet, you know, like that shot, when was it? Who was it against where he took that volley on the outside of his boot and it came off the post and his little tricks and even the silly keepy uppies on the sideline. Mm. Like he's just, he's just always eventful, isn't it? There's always something happening. And not to mention two very good headers. I mean, that's a proper centre-forwards header both times. They weren't easy tap-ins, you know. No, Brilliant they were cross, good headers. Both great crosses. Let's not take anything away from the assists, but mm. he had a lot to do, didn't he? He did, especially with the second one. The first one, I think yeah. the goalkeeper could have done a bit better, actually, but I, I didn't care at the start. Uh, yeah, that's true. In. Kind of went through but his hands. But, the second yeah. one, was the way he angled his neck and actually... Oh, yeah. Uh, he, and facing from the other direction, I like... That was that was absolutely perfect. That header, I just yeah. I, I I didn't know that he even had that in his repertoire. I don't know if he did much of that for Everton or not. To say the truth, but yeah, that mm. was something else. And I, I think we're really going to love this player. I think we really I, are. I'm actually I'm amazed and a little bit ashamed at how quickly I'm falling in love with him, considering all the hard times I gave him when he used to play against us. But I'm sure that's it's not the first time and it won't be the last time that we have a quick U-turn in terms of our feelings towards a particular player, one way or the other. So let's talk about the assist. So Perisic, another cross, another assist. It's all going to plan with him, isn't it? Brilliant cross. What did you make of him overall in his performance? I don't think it was his best one for us, actually. Um, no? I think I think I think he played well. And yeah. Whenever he gets the ball, I just expect something good to happen. Now, yeah, um, he's a threat all the time, isn't he? He's quick. He's not lightning quick, but he's quick. But he seems very elegant in the way he tries to mm. beat people. I, I really like that about him. I mean, the two footedness is just wonderful. It, it makes me yeah. so happy. Um, and and that, uh, when you watch him on the attack, when he picks the ball up on the left and he slows play down, and I feel like fullbacks have this respect for him. People back away from him. There's a fear. Maybe. And just, you know, especially when he can go either way as well, it just gives him time to cross. I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering how he's never been more on my radar than he is, given that I mm. do, uh, I watch less overseas football now than I used to, but yeah. he's of an age where he would have still been playing at a high level when I was watching sort of loads yeah. of Serie A and loads of Bundesliga and loads of La Liga, as much football as I could take in. This is sort of in younger, less responsible days. Uh, other, pe- <laughs> yeah. other people uh, doing more their thing. Just being a massive football nerd, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And and for some reason, I never quite realised. A bit like Richarlison, I just I'm taken aback with quite how good he is. And and mm. the other thing is, it's really refreshing to see a wing back who is actually more a winger than more the wing yeah. than the back part of it. It's like, don't get me wrong, Daniel Rose was obviously a really good player for us for a period. Yeah. I think following on from him, sort of... Yeah. Let's not open Walker. that door again, Elio. Well, quite. Walker, <laughs> Oria, Trippier, they've all had their place, but yeah. this mm. guy is a winger player. He's an attacker first. Yeah, exactly. the others and have I all been it. full-backs that can attack. Him and Sessegnon, I suppose, to be fair. Although I feel like he's more of a natural attacker 
who can defend. And I mean, I've not seen anything from him defensively that's made me think, wow, what a great defender. But he's just done the basics well, hasn't he? He's done what he needed to do. He's organised. He's in the right place. But where he's really offering us the benefit is going forward for sure. Uh, can you remember who set up the second Richarlison header? Little test for you. Who put the ball yeah, in? Emil it was. It was. Yeah. And his right what foot cutting cross. in. What a lovely, oh, a lovely ball. That was. And, and it takes me to another point, actually. I saw a graphic earlier on Twitter, and it was comparing progressive passes per 90 minutes among, I mean, the text said holding midfielders in the big six, which, you know, was I guess they were picking and choosing the right ones. But, you know, you had Thomas Parsi and they had Rodri in there. They'd gone for Kante, even though I'd probably argue he's not their holding midfielder. And just across the big six teams, Fabinho as well. And none of them made as many progressive passes as Hoiberg. And I think it's something that maybe went under the radar a little bit last season. I think he got a lot of praise for being what he's meant to be, a good defensive midfielder and playing very well. A lot of blocks, a lot of tackles, a lot of interceptions. But in terms of his playmaking now, we talked about it last week as well. I think he's becoming a really important player for us. Do you think he's got enough in his locker to be that man for us? Or do you think we could still use an Ericsson? We could still use that kind of more traditional playmaker? Um... It's, it's hard because we, we've seen Hoybier play constantly in a contest system and by and large contest yeah. system is really working for us. Mm. There is something in the way we're playing right now that does feel a little off as we've already alluded to this episode and my mind always goes to midfield when it's a situation of control Yeah, and I don't actually want to pin it on either of them because I like both of them. I think loads of respect for Hoiberg because he's massively shoved a lot of my words from last season down my throat and Bentoncourt I think is such a lovely player. It's not just you either. Do you think in an ideal world he's in the middle of a midfield three with creative players either side of him and he's the holding one, he's the ball winner who can play a progressive pass from deep but do you think think ideally that should be his main job? I think yeah. I think that's not just true of almost all our midfielders. I think that's true of almost all midfielders, full stop, to tell you the truth. I think yeah. to play in a two, you either have to be, and I mean a two for a team that wants to play progressive football, mm. I think you either need to be Moussa Dembele, <laughs> quite frankly, <laughs> or you need to have the level of genius and ability to protect the ball at all costs of a Luka Modric. Yeah. I think most two men middles are more defensively inclined for all obvious reasons. And yeah. ours is more defensively inclined as well. But I would love to see a sacrifice a centre back for a midfielder. I really would. You want to see a back four? I mean we've we've um, occasionally switched to it. Against Chelsea uh, was a bit of a disaster. We talked about that, but mm. That's yeah, mid-game and a tough fixture. I think it's out of the question at this point because all yeah. our training, all our preseason has gone into this formation. But <laughs> yeah, I, I would enough. love to see sort of Hoybier, Bentoncourt and either Skip or when he's up speed, Basuma all in at the same time. Or, yeah. or even I think we will see it. Probably at the, at the expense of one of the front three rather than one of the defenders. I think we might see a 3-5-2. There still isn't really a number 10 in there. And I do Mm. think in a midfield three, you do kind of have to have the spare man who is kind of mostly attack-minded. We don't really have that kind of player. That's why I was so desperate for us to get Ericsson because he'd have been that player. Um, Yeah. I guess Kane kind of drops back and becomes that player, but that's not ideal either. So... I want you to tell me on something, actually. I've got a question for you. So both of us, it's fair to say, I'm sure you'll agree, we've played more than our fair share of FIFA Ultimate Team this year. Probably way too much, both counts. You've seen my latest team where I've decided to shoehorn in Mo Salah, Lionel Messi, Ronaldo, Sam Maximen at left back, Pele, 
<laughs> I've, I've got basically three defenders in my team, right? That's FIFA. You can do that on FIFA. What I want to know is why can't we just do that in real football? And by that, I mean, I want to see Kulisevsky, Son, Kane and Richarlison in a lineup because that's what we saw for a brief period. We saw Kulisevsky as a right wing back. Now, I'm sure that's not where he'll do his best work, but considering how well Richarlison's playing and how good Son and Kane generally are, do you think maybe in some fixtures we could actually start that way? And would you like to see it? Do you think Kulisevsky has what it takes to perform that right wing back role? Um, in terms of raw skill set, yeah. I mean, he's got yeah. enough pace. He's strong. He's very hard working. He's aggressive. Yeah. He is obviously very good at the attacking side, but he's also yeah. got more than enough kind of now about him in terms yeah. of tracking that kind of thing. But yeah. I can't get past the thought that a does it waste him a little bit to put him there? But B, does mm. it weaken our bench if we have all four of them starting together? Given that then we're just down to... I see what you mean. As- you want the impact, don't you, of one of them, whoever that may be. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I, just, I thought it would be a lot of fun, but maybe that's why I'm not the manager of Spurs. Maybe I should stick to FIFA earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anything else to mention in, in terms of that game? Any standout performers? I mean, I think Kane did his usual thing of, of orchestrating quite well. He set the pass off the sun before the red card. Not the most eventful game, admittedly, but are you happy, all things considered? I am. I mean, I want us to play better than we are at the moment, but I I can't really fault yet another win and (laughs) kicking off our first Champions League group stage in a few years with the right kind of result. I can't fault any of that. I No, I'm satisfied. There's little to complain about and I'd be looking for things at the moment. This feels like the story after every match at the moment. It's just like, yeah, I mean, we won, so I can't complain, but I kind of want to complain because (laughs) football is not that exciting and we could be better, but... I guess the way we've got to look at it is we're getting results by not being at our best. Six games in, we've got 14 points. We're third in the table yeah. uh, behind Let's an Arsenal side it. that have had the easiest set of fixtures yeah. in the league. Manchester City side who have Erling Haaland. And yep. Man United are fifth with a couple of embarrassing early defeats. Chelsea are sixth and have just sacked their manager. Liverpool are seventh and looking yep. a shadow of the team that have been impressing everyone all these years. I mean, yeah, exactly. we can lose two games in a row now and still not be caught by Liverpool when we're only six games into the season. It's Yeah, it's a nice it, position to be in, isn't it? It is. So I think yeah. I think from my point of view, while we're winning, I will err on the side of, well, the football's going to get better and at least we're winning. When yeah. we start losing and the football's not great, then I will be fickle and yeah. I will rant and I will drop more C-bombs. I'm sure you will. Have you I'm noticed sure I've not sworn yet today? No, no, I'm very impressed with that. And on that note, I should probably mention, because I know Charles is listening and he was responsible for several of those C-bombs on that ill-fated episode. Um, Charles, if you're listening, you should know that we're not doing a challenge Elio today, so you can go ahead and turn off. Probably should have told you that half an hour ago, but I am sorry. I do apologise. But of course, with just me here, it is a little bit pointless. But we'll have another one next week, of course. Fun stat from that game. Marseille achieved a total of 0.2 XG in the entire game. Richarlison alone had 0.6. I'm guessing that was probably mostly Gwendouzi's 30-yard spec effort which was their only shot on goal and maybe a couple of others that, that went wide but but that's encouraging I think you know if nothing else we can at least say that our defense is looking good and the numbers are backing that up absolutely um, we're still creating chance as well this isn't exactly. AVB this isn't no, Nuno it's not exactly Th- mm. this just isn't like any of those and when we do get it right on the attack you can see that it's drilled and it's deliberate and there's actually a plan for how we attack it's just that we're stuttering with executing that plan at the moment yeah. it'll, it'll come together we're six games in we're at the beginning of september still 
Exactly. A man who accumulated a fairly high XG himself in his Champions League game was Marcus Edwards, a name that many of you will be mm. familiar with. Um, was man of the match, by all accounts. Had a really good game, scored a goal and made an assist for Sporting, who just beat Frankfurt. I think we kind of did Sporting dirty a little bit by not really discussing them when the group was announced. We kind of put them in as the minnows of the group and didn't really give them enough attention. We, we talked about Frankfurt winning what they won and we talked about Marseille being our first opponents, but they put Frankfurt away quite easily from what I saw in the highlights um what do you expect to see in the lineup and what would you want to see because we've had a bit of a break now obviously because of the postponement of the future so everyone's fit everyone's ready to go you've pretty much got a free reign to select everyone including i understand oliver skip who's probably ready to come back into the team in some capacity mm-hmm. will you just go ahead with the never change a winning formula keep it all together or do you think this is a good chance to rotate of course now it looks like the leicester game is going ahead on the saturday who would you like to see start who would i like to see start i think start richarlison again um mm. i don't mind in place of who emerson's played every game I, th- I think just for the sake of keeping competition fresh and actually changing mm. up a bit i wouldn't be dead against either doherty or spence let's face it more likely to be doherty coming yeah. in given he actually got that, some minutes didn't he doherty came, yeah, on, he came off the pit which was nice to see him off. on the pitch yeah i think given that he's needing to integrate into the team bit by bit and maybe Marseille wouldn't have been the right game but against these guys they play the Portuguese league a much less physical league I think a player like Basuma could have a lot of fun in this game Mm. um I'd say left centre back it should be whoever isn't going to play at the weekend because I think both Longley and Mm. Davies can have a case made for them and play the other one tomorrow night um Listen, I trust the manager to get it right either way, but I think there is an opportunity to kind of keep the squad fresh right now. And people often say, well, it's the beginning of the season, everyone's fit, why do you need to rotate? So I actually take the view that actually, if you start keeping things fresh from now, you'll have more legs in you in the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously the next game after that is Leicester, who... It's that thing again. We said the same thing about West Ham. They have a terrible start, which almost makes you more nervous because you know they're not going to finish bottom, or at least you imagine mm. they won't. They're going to turn it around sooner or later, and hopefully it's not sooner and it's not against us. We've had we've had mixed results against Leicester, haven't we? Although one man who always seems to have joy against them is Harry Kane. Mm. I know you've got him in your fantasy team. Is he your captain? Is this going to be a big game for Kane? Um, I think Kane is licking his lips at the prospect. <laughs> four goals think, incoming he's going to show Haaland how it's done okay. I think Kane loves playing against Leicester I don't know why mm. but he, he just does every every striker has their team a lot of strikers had us as their team for a long period of our lives yep. um, yep. I think everyone likes playing against Leicester at the moment well yeah but like you say you've got to think that they'll come good but there's a shocker of a transfer window. Their their squad is mm. mishmash. It looks like their managers beginning to get into that making excuse territory. Though I actually think he does have a leg to stand on. I don't usually think that about managers, but right now the he window, really yeah. Um, I'm not overly worried about Saturday, which probably means we'll get smashed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think their goalkeeper is a massive liability. Uh, if anyone's not aware, Danny yeah, imagine Ward. going from Casper Schmeichel yeah. to that team. 
I mean, what happened? I think on the last few days of the transfer window, they they had a nightmare. This was this was like Spurs with Berbatov when he left in the last few days, and we had to replace him with was it Fraser Campbell came back the other way as part of the same deal or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, this was a disaster, and obviously, I think at the beginning of the season, everyone was like putting Danny Ward in their FPL teams because he was a four million goalkeeper, and it was you know he's going to start, but that backfired horribly, uh, and they've just conceded five to Brighton. Uh, they obviously lost to Man U, Chelsea two one, two one Southampton, and then four two to Arsenal in their last four games so they are on pretty horrible form and crucially they're shipping a lot of goals they've got the odd few goals in there and like you say they've always got players who can get the ball in the net but you've got to think our players this is a chance for them to show everyone maybe silence a few of the critics that are saying yeah you're good defensively yeah you're getting wins but let's see some nice football this could be a chance for us to show it off it it absolutely could I mean the thing about Brendan Rodgers and the football his teams play is actually not too dissimilar to when we had mm. Pochettino. It's great possession, when mate. it's going well, the possession's high, the pressing yep. is good, but it saps a lot of energy. And when the players aren't refreshed regularly, yeah. it can lead to things going stale. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think we're seeing Leicester go through very similar to what we saw in kind of the final 18 months under Pochettino where things are just coming to a bit of a grinding halt right now. The difference being that the players we had in that Pochettino side are a hell of a lot better than the players that Brendan (laughs) Rodgers has available to him at Leicester. So, I mean, we say they're too good to not get out of it, but I'm not so sure. They really have been shocking. Well, at least if they get relegated, we might have dibs on Madison next season. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Let's pray. (laughs) because he would be perfect we talked about him already so i won't get into it again Uh, i'm just looking at some of the other fixtures just to see our uh, i guess our rivals position at the moment so man city have got wolves away you'd like to think they'll probably see them off Uh, we've got less as we mentioned arsenal away at brentford who have hit some nice form and obviously arsenal coming off their first loss of the season it's gonna be interesting to see how they bounce back from that one and the man united leeds which would be a lovely game for us to talk about when dave's back on is actually postponed from what i can see at the moment as is chelsea and liverpool so a win this weekend with the help of a couple of postponements and games in hand admittedly could leave us looking very nice in the league with a bit of luck you imagine City will still be ahead of us and obviously Arsenal could well beat Brentford but it, it's not looking bad over the next few weeks is it it isn't um one game at a time at all times <laughs> one really. game at a I time just, you're so ready to be a manager earlier it's six you've got, games you've got in. the media training down <laughs> well uh, I might need to watch my language a bit better than I have done recently but <laughs> yeah, yeah we do need to have that mindset right now because we are only six matches in we know the football hasn't been champagne so we do kind of need to mm. just take it little by little and yeah. if we're in a similar position and we're kind of at the top or within sort of four or five points off top by the time yeah. the World Cup starts then I'll get excited. I think right now I'm just going to enjoy where we are at the moment and really kind of hope that we can sustain it with slightly better football. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's worth mentioning as well, Bryson Crystal Palace is the other game that's been postponed. And of course, Bryson have had a flying start of the season, so they could Mm. well have overtaken us with a win. So uh, that's interesting to see. So yeah, let's stand by and see where we are. Hopefully Harry Kane smashes a few in and lives up to his usual performance against Leicester. I'm sure their defenders are terrified. Mm. But we'll see. We'll be back next week to talk about that, of course, in a bit more detail. And I'm quite curious to see who actually starts the next two games. We've got to a point now where it's no longer boring same team again 
and the first few games I was starting to think we were going to just keep seeing the same lineup but it's the rotation and the squad are starting to play their part a couple of matters from elsewhere that are borderline relevant Spurs um did you see <laughs> did you see Eric Lamella's antics at the amazing. weekend amazing I mean doing a classic Lamella horrible tackle absolutely <laughs> dreadful but yeah after scoring a goal I might add as well so on one of the Spurs message boards there was a, a bit of a discussion about mm. sort of cult heroes off the back of yeah. Richarlison scoring two goals the other day and the way he's yeah. developed an affinity and Lamella is one such player that is described as a cult hero and you know my view of the cult yeah. hero it's first of all a very broad term people put genuine legends like Graham Roberts into the cult hero yeah. category and genuinely great players like Ginola into the cult hero category and then they put Stefan Freund and <laughs> Lamella um, yeah are you going to say Richarlison is what Lamella should have been? I will never call a good player a cult hero. Simple as a good player okay. is a good player and a legend is a legend. Ginola was, maybe he wasn't with us long enough to be a great, same as Berbatov who also left in acrimonious circumstances, but these are guys who are great players and yeah. would have been legends if they had a bit more longevity under their belts or a bit more success with us under their belts. Though... One of two trophies we've won in the past two decades. One with Berbatov in the team, one with Janola in the team. So <laughs> yeah. that maybe, makes them pretty legendary in my book. In the balancing act of things, yeah. that's worth as much as Harry Kane's by the time he leaves us decade odd with us. But yeah. I think with someone like Lamella, that tackle just kind of made me... It just reminds me of why I really never took to him the way others did, yeah. because... It, it, it's not, it's just it's not stupid behaviour. Don't me wrong, I enjoyed him stepping on Fabregas's hand. Who wouldn't? In the same way that when that Spurs fan ran onto the pitch against Chelsea and tried to thump Frank Lampard, punched Lampard I just yeah. punched my microphone for added sort of uh, special effects. <laughs> Thanks um, for that. Very in good. The same, in the same way that when that happened, I was sort of egging that guy on with hindsight. What a f***ing idiot. Shit. Yeah. That's two. Okay. Oh, you that made it so words. far. Anyway. I made it it's so fine. far. It's, it's okay. You're doing well. Uh, your, your media training is wearing off now. Yeah. Yeah, quite. Uh, I haven't even had a drink tonight. But I just, <laughs> I see that and I just think, you know what? I'm really glad yeah. that's not at the club. And don't get me wrong. I know we have Romero, who is hardly an angel, but he's <laughs> at least counterbalancing that with being a bloody awesome player in his own yeah. right whereas and, and he's actually wasn't. not getting sent off or at least he was once well, yeah. he's had the one red hasn't he was it the one red he's had quite early on, on? Conte, Conte's first game I believe yeah that's right yeah I mean I think he he's got away with a, a little bit more than he probably should have done but yeah mm. um, on that note actually it made me laugh when I was watching the Marseille game and I saw Guendouzi running around with his ridiculous long hair it was a feeling because you know I've been looking after um, I've been looking after <laughs> Smeech's dog this weekend I've been taking him for walks to the park and the there's this little sense of dread every time I see another dog or a bird or a squirrel and I'm thinking oh god he's gonna go for him isn't he and I had that same kind of sense when I saw Guendouzi's hair with Romero <laughs> on the pitch I was like this ends badly we're gonna see a repeat of this aren't we but thankfully he uh he behaved himself and learned his lesson I reckon Romero um, is going to be an absolute angel for a good yeah he's on the months. radar now isn't he because referees are going to want to be the one to send him off now, aren't they? Exactly, and he's too clever. Uh, so he's mm. going to wait till someone else is hot in the press as being sort of the yeah. um, resident thug, and then he'll be back yeah. to the good old pantomime villain we know and love. He should study Wolves' new signing, Diego Costa, 
the master of such activity, the dark mm-hmm. arts. That's an interesting I mean, one to see back in the Premier League. I mean, maybe now is Romero's time to come back into that vein now that Costa has signed and everyone's expecting <laughs> yeah, fireworks. He'll be on the radar now, exactly. Yeah, this is this is the time. Um, you mentioned Spurs legends earlier, past and present. Potential future Spurs legend on, on our hands in Dane Scarlett, who has actually scored four in his last three games for Portsmouth in League One, which is yeah, uh, very interesting two in one game stuff. as well. Yeah, and... two in the last game. And uh, they all love him, apparently. I've seen a lot of tweets being retweeted from Portsmouth fan saying never fall in love with a lone player never fall in love with a lone player <laughs> you know and uh, he's, he's obviously living up to a lot of the hype and the interesting thing with him is that I think both Mourinho and Conte who you know they're, they're probably managers that most people would criticize rightly or wrongly for not putting a lot of faith in youth I guess traditionally whether that's true or not they've all they've both said really glowing things about him um, I must admit I've not seen a huge amount of him I know you don't watch as much youth football or Spurs youth as you used to but from what you've seen of Scarlett and what you understand what's his ceiling I mean what we've been told is that his ceiling is very top um, mm. I mean let's also remember that anything we've seen of him has been as a very, very young man. He's still 18 yeah. years old. He's going to turn 19 small as well, next isn't he? spring. I mean, he's roughly three years the junior to Harry Kane when Harry Kane broke through. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Let's remember that. So, mm. yeah, Harry Kane had had a smattering of appearances for us before that, like Scarlett has, but he's three years the junior of Harry Kane when Harry Kane broke through. And um yeah. I think what I've seen of him for us when he's had first-team appearances hasn't overly greatly impressed me, made me think Mm. a bit, what's the fuss? But the difference being, as you know, with Harry Kane, I thought he was going to be a star when everybody else was saying things like, I just treads water, he's slow, he's a donkey, whatever. I always thought it was, but I had actually seen a bit of Harry Kane with the kids and seen him stand out amongst his age group. So if there's other people seeing with Scarlett amongst the kids, what I saw with Harry Kane sort of 12 odd years ago, then great, we've got another star on the conveyor belt. Um, Yeah. Contrastingly to him, Troy Parrott's had a stuttering start to life on his current loan, like he did oh, last he? season with MK Dons, but get, still getting a lot of praise for sort of the shift he's putting in and the way he links up play and stuff like that. So I wouldn't sort of write it off as a failed loan act because let's face it, a lot of Harry Kane's character was built up by the fact that his loans didn't go overly swimmingly. So yeah, may well yeah. also be the case with Parrott. He's the one that, from the little I've seen, I've liked a little bit more out of the two of them. Mm. Smart money is probably on Scarlet to be the one that does something at, at the very least Premier League level. But but let's see. I think it's good that we've got these boys playing men's football at the moment. I think the encouraging thing for me, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, is the fact that, yeah, he, I'm sure he's probably got the technical ability and he can finish and he's got a good touch and all that stuff. But you worry about the physical side when it comes to these young players, especially when he looks so young as him. And it might not be the same level of technical ability in the league he's playing. But I imagine there are some big old defenders he has to come up against and fight his way through so if he's scoring at that level at least you know you imagine he can he can hold his own in that regard i've actually i've just put the highlights on i'm just trying to see if i can get a glimpse of his goals but uh, i'll soldier on and we'll, we'll check them out later but it's definitely one to keep an eye on for sure and i'll be really interested to see how he and parrot and everyone else get on throughout the the season uh, yeah. on their loans as well so yeah well, the, the future is bright Scarlett is that he's played a fair deal of youth football for england i think um mm. He's been sort of on the team sheet for the under-19 since since he was 17. And in that time, I think he's got almost a goal a game. He's got something like yeah. 
11 in 12 or something crazy like that. So he's playing with the best young English players available and scoring constantly. That that bodes well. That bodes really, really well. Well, he's just got a lovely near post diving header in the highlights that I'm watching. Yeah. Um, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Have a look. If, if anyone anyone listening wants to check him out, have a look at uh, the Portsmouth Peterborough highlights. I think he scored both goals in that. Oh, mm. and the other one was lovely as well. Nice little sort of shimmy and like, tight into the near post. I know his yeah, goal against Paul Vale was a bit of a. He clashed with the goalkeeper. There's a bit of gumption in just trying to force the ball over the line. He probably fell yeah. the goalkeeper a bit as well. But I like that. I like a striker that can actually score um, the messy goal. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Hey, look, Haaland's got his fair share of them. No one's criticizing. Actually, that's not true. People are criticizing him, but they're idiots. Anyway, moving <laughs> moving swiftly along. Well, look, I, I didn't want to go too far into this episode. We wanted to keep this one relatively brief, which is the two of us and obviously uh, a couple of games being postponed. And we've got plenty to talk about next week as well. So, of course, we'll, we will be back, hopefully with Dave, maybe even with someone else. We'll we'll play it by ear. We're, we're a rotation team now. We uh, mm. we have a squad. We don't have a first team this season. So we'll yeah, see who's... Yeah, you got to rest your star player last week. Well, Oh, I know exactly. I mean, it's like how often does Harry Kane take her match off? Not regularly. So exactly. Um, so we'll we'll see what kind of lineup we come up with next week, and I hope a lot of you will be back for that. In the meantime, as always, please follow us on social media and Twitter at Plus Dave Podcast. You can follow me at Plus Dave Dags. You can follow Elio at Elio underscore P underscore THFC. And yeah, check us out on there. And also, if you get a chance, please do rate and review us as well. You can review us on iTunes. I think you can rate us on Spotify and on pretty much any where you listen we are on multiple platforms now so please do leave us a rating leave us a review if you get the chance we really appreciate those they're always really fun to read and so far i uh, don't want to jinx it but they've all been very good reviews so thank you to everyone who's reviewed us and um, we hope we continue to impress um well look elio i'll uh, i'll give you a chance to get some final words in before we wrap things up but how are you feeling about all things spurs at the moment positive as positive as i think i've ever felt about Spurs mm. I've got this nagging feeling we might actually win something this season obviously now that I've said that on air we won't but uh, <laughs> I really feel like it's going to happen I'm enjoying I guess I've got an affinity with the players that I'm watching which was the case for the majority of the Pochettino era until it wasn't and then once I felt I didn't have that anymore, that's when I began to sort of question, is it all worth it anymore? So yeah. I'm watching players that I actually care about and I, I want to cheer on whether it's Kane, Kulusevsky, Richards and so on, but also yeah. whether it's whether it's Ben Davies and Eric Dyer and and yeah. Emerson even, who I tell you what, Emerson is someone who for whom the phrase cult hero is absolutely cult relevant. Hero. Um yeah. so I really enjoy the fact that I'm actually excited every time I watch, even if it's not the best game, even if we lose. Like um yeah. it feels like being part of something again. And that's kind of been the case since that Arsenal win last season. So Definitely. so yeah, I feel really yeah. good about Spurs. I was excited about the Man City game and then that says a lot because I'm not always excited about playing Man City. I don't think many teams are excited about playing Man City even if they do have a good record against them. Uh, And that's exactly the thing, isn't it? You just can't wait for every game at the moment and obviously a loss will change that. But at the same time, there's this feeling that we're one massive game away from it all suddenly feeling really real. If we have a big win or we get a big scalp, whether that's someone like Man City or whoever, 
I think people will start to take us seriously and we'll be forced to start taking ourselves seriously. So uh, There is one other thing I want to say, and you might edit this out completely, so (laughs) feel free to if you do, that's at your discretion. But just to touch on the Lucas stuff, um, it's hard to gauge whether it's something a lot of Spurs fans are having opinions about at the moment or whether it's because social media is a magnifying glass on minorities Mm. and it's actually a minority. But I think obviously it's kind of been on a few people's lips that Lucas has some political views that we are not used yeah. to. He's thrown his support behind the right wing president of a, Brazil a who has some quite president. controversial stances and views and has said some pretty uh, outlandish things, to put it kindly. Absolutely. But I think the reason we've not discussed it on this episode, and you and I discussed this before whether we should or not, and I think... It's important to just acknowledge that that's going on. But at the same time, from my point of view, I don't know anything about Lucas and his situation and circumstances in life and upbringing and what he's been Mm. through in life. I also know very little about Brazilian politics. In fact, until this situation arose, I knew nothing about Brazilian politics. So I don't think it would have been fitting for us to discuss it beyond this little yep. input here and no, well i'm not saying other people shouldn't but i'm more comfortable discussing things i know about like yeah. how much of a cockwomble gary neville is <laughs> oh and you do know about that no absolutely it is one of those things that probably goes slightly beyond the scope of our podcast and i would definitely claim to be sitting firmly on the fence on it just because i don't know enough to really get into it and give it the attention it deserves and i think it's probably worth mentioning this is an elected leader he's not the only one and in fact most brazilian footballers from what I understand also back him I know Ronaldinho has been quite a vocal supporter of him so it's not just Lucas not necessarily saying that makes it better but yeah it's something that's worth being on the radar and mentioning of course but I don't want to demonize him just yet without at least looking into it in a little more detail we'll stick to what we know shall we is the lesson from from today Um, fantastic well look that's probably more than enough we'll be back next week we'll be talking about Sporting Lisbon we'll be talking about Leicester hopefully as long as that continues to go ahead and Mm. uh, we'll be looking ahead to the Arsenal game won't we by that point that will be the next Premier League fixture so fingers crossed that's going to be a blockbuster episode we're going to need our A-team for that one brilliant well thanks for listening and until next time stay classy Spurs fans we'll see you next week